listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we are starting a new series today. It's called Peacemakers, and we're really excited about this series. In fact, um, something that we often mention uh, when we start a new series is that we try as a leadership team to really discern what it is that God wants to speak next to the specific body of believers at the mission, what it is that he is uh, trying to communicate to us biblically, of course, um, and because of that, uh, Pastor Jason, he really felt in, in, in his heart and the rest of the leadership uh, that resolving conflict with honor uh, was the next word that God had for us, the next reminder. And so in this series, Peacemakers, we're learning about, first and foremost, the foundation as to why we seek to make peace with others, but number two, also, um, how to actually go about it. And the different types of conflicts that we may see and what it is that we as Christians can do. How much can we actually control within uh, the sovereignty of God and, and the sovereignty of God that allowing certain circumstances. So that's what we want to do. And it's, it's great because uh, Paul, for example, when he's in his letters, he typically uh, addresses the churches that were made up of both uh, Jews and Gentiles, meaning Jews and non-Jews that had both come to faith, faith in Jesus. And so often something that he says is that basically don't think of yourselves in these categorizations. Don't think about Jew and Gentile. You're all one body of believers. And so a great application, even before we get started, is that we're in the playoffs in baseball and this church is full of Angels fans, Angels fans, Dodger fans, uh, all sorts of different fans. And uh, Boston Red Sox, yes, Brian Bell is actually a Red Sox. Red Sox fan, um, and we, we as, as Christians, we don't, here in the mission, we don't want to have those labels here. We just, we just don't want to have those, that's not a label here. Oh, wait, oh, thank you, oh, what a loving pastor, uh, just pastor to keep me accountable. There's neither Dodger nor Angel, bleed blue, <coughs> go Dodgers, bleed blue, um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're in this series, what we're trying to do is uh, talk about how to actually think about peace in a biblical context. And so what, the main scripture from which we've built this title and this series is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. A uh, bad habit I have, I go over a lot of scripture. It's a, just a bad habit I have. But that's our primary uh, scripture for the day. And we'll just try to use other complementary passages to break down what is implied in this short but substantially loaded passage. Now, this is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes specifically. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and there's others in the crowd that are also uh, following Jesus, and he's speaking to his disciples. And in the, in the middle, or, or rather in the verse 9 of these Beatitudes, as they're called, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed or blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they shall be called sons of God. That's why we've selected this title, Peacemakers. And one thing that we want to, before we even dive into understanding uh, what each part of that means, one thing that we should be clear is what it doesn't mean. It does not mean that peacemaking is a means to being a child of God. It does not mean that. The reason we know it doesn't mean that is because there are numerous verses that say otherwise, and there are specific verses that talk about how we become children of God. So again, this passage is not saying, I become a child of God, I become a son of God, a daughter of God, through peacemaking. It doesn't say that. Why? Because we can see passages, these won't be on the screen, but we've seen passages such as Romans 8.14 that says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We've seen in Ephesians 1, verses 13 through 14, it says, In him, that is in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So, how am I a son of God? By being led by the Spirit. How do I get the Spirit? Because I've believed in Him and been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's how I become a son of God. So again, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, must mean something else. And so it's our goal to think about that. Now, this isn't a series in which we're studying the Beatitudes and we're not primarily studying the word blessed. That's a whole other series or a whole other sermon talking about the, the translation of the word blessed. Uh, some, some commentaries will say that blessed is happy. So other commentaries talk about blessed being the good life. Uh, in reality, we don't have a really good way of translating that word. But here's what, one way that you can think about it. Be, being told by Jesus, blessed are you peacemakers, is being told congratulations. Rejoice. Be happy. Because of what follows. So when it says blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God... It tells us why we should be happy or rejoice or be congratulated in the receiving of something. That is, we are being called sons of God. Again, that's a whole other sermon series. That's a whole other message talking about uh, blessed in that, in that specific context of what it means to be blessed. But for now, we take from it, congratulations, you've won. It's like, congratulations, Dodgers, you won. Like, kind of like that. Um, but... I kid, I kid. (laughs) But here's the thing. We can be blessed because we are called sons of God. So that's very important that we understand it's not that the peacemaking is making me a son of God, but rather I rejoice, I am blessed because I am a son of God. That's the first thing. Our first bullet point today is The peacemaker in this passage is a Christ-like or God-like peacemaker. It is important for us to understand this verse, that what it's communicating is that that peacemaker that is blessed is in fact a Christ-like or God-like peacemaker. This isn't any person seeking peace. This isn't someone answering a question at the end of a Miss Universe contest saying, yes, I want world peace. This isn't that. (laughs) This is much more powerful. This is a Christ-like peacemaker. 
makes peace. Now, why do we know this? Because for Matthew and for others, in general, in that time, it was a Semitic idiom to talk about someone being the son of whoever, to express that they have the qualities of that father. So what does that mean? For example, I was told a lot growing up, you're you're your dad's son, you're your dad's son. What were they trying to tell me when they would say I was my dad's son? Is like, "Um, I'm a lot like my father. I have qualities of my father. I bear the image of my father. So when we see this expression, when it says they are sons of God, what it really is saying in that sense is we're saying, blessed are the Christ-like peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We must understand that. Blessed are the Christ-like peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Why? Because they look like Jesus. They look like the son of God. They look like God, like the peacemaking quality that God has. So as Christians, that means we are to pursue Christ-like peacemaking. Christ-like peacemaking. This is powerful. So again, that tells us, that expression, Son of God, is that we share, we should as peacemakers share the character of God, the peacemaking character. Blessed are the Christ-like peacemakers since they are the sons of God. And this makes sense because throughout the gospel and throughout the New Testament, we see consistently that we're told we're supposed to look more and more like Jesus. So if Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker, we're striving to be that type of peacemaker. In 1 John 2.6, it says, Whoever says he abides in him, that is Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So if I am a Christian and I'm a peacemaker, I'm supposed to be the type of peacemaker Jesus is. I ought to peacemake like he does. I ought to walk in the same way in which he walks, so I ought to peacemake in the way that he makes peace. So, so far, if you've been hanging around in the sermon, here's the only, or not the only, the main thing we've learned so far is that peacemakers in this passage are Christ-like peacemakers. So what's the next natural question? We should know what type of peacemaking Jesus does. If we want to be the type of Christ-like peacemaker, we must know what that type is. We must know how it is that Jesus makes peace. Bullet point number two, because of that natural question, is Christ-like peacemaking can only come from appreciating that we received peace through Christ. Before we even understand what what that looks like, we must know, we must appreciate the peacemaking he does. So in order for me to appreciate that, I must ask myself, what is it that he's done? Uh, Another way of putting it, I'm running over my words here. Another way to put it, this is a lot simpler. Horizontal reconciliation comes from vertical reconciliation. Horizontal, meaning person to person, believer to believer, believer to non-believer, reconciliation should follow from the vertical reconciliation. I can only be reconciled with others to the extent that Christ reconciles because I have been reconciled by Jesus. See, peace in this sense is is a core concept of the gospel. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have 
peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been justified by faith, so we have peace with God. That means we were at war because of our sin. We did not have peace with the Father. But Jesus is making peace by justifying us through faith. In verses 10 and 11 of chapter 5 in Romans, it says, For if while we were enemies, again, no peace, we did not have peace on our own. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We were enemies because of our sin, but we've received reconciliation. We are at peace with God. The key about this is that we didn't deserve that peace. This isn't like the normal conflict that you have with your everyday brother or sister. In those, sometimes there's two guilty parties. There may be one, but with God, we're guaranteed, in fact, the conflict's on us. It's really us to blame because of our war through sin, our sinful nature, the fact that we choose sin over God, that we choose our way versus his way, that we choose the worth of other things versus his worth. That's what puts us at at war. God is righteously angry about that, but he doesn't want to give us the consequence of that, so he decides to send the peacemaker the one who will reconcile us to him. He sends the Son of God to be our peacemaker. We must understand this. See, some of us are seasoned Christians. We've been Christians for so many years, and this is never, ever a futile reminder. We can take it for granted. I'm preaching to myself here, but we we take it for granted because we forget the beauty of what Jesus did. It's like what he did... We, we say, uh, yeah, we're forgiven. Yeah, we were, at, we were at war. It's not just someone forgave me for like kind of saying, you know, something bad to them. We were at war with God. We deserved what was coming to us. But God loved us so much that he sent his son to be the ultimate peacemaker. We must appreciate his peacemaking if we are to imitate him in the peacemaking. Again, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So if we are to be that type of son that imitates Christ-like peacemaking, we must appreciate that he made peace for us. We didn't deserve it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, it says, speaking of Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down In his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man, that is the Christian man in the church, man and woman, in place of the two, so making peace, peacemaker, making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. We were at war. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. This passage, you could just get caught up in the fact that we've received peace with God, but you would miss the other half, which is Paul is trying to saying, be at peace with your brother and sister because you are at peace with God. 
There were two groups he was speaking to here, Jews and non-Jews. And Jews often thought of themselves as, well, we got it better or our way is the right way because we are the covenant people of God. God selected us, so we are good and you guys are sinners. And Paul is saying, actually, both of you, both groups, Jews and non-Jews, are sinners. And both of you needed to be reconciled to God. So I, I encourage you, outside of the sermon time, read into that passage so that you see how God is in his ultimate peacemaking, bringing reconciliation through groups that don't get along. And so that applies to us in all sorts of life, whether it's cultural tensions, whether it's racial tensions, whether it's political tensions. Are we seeking reconciliation or are we seeking to one-up the other group? Are we seeking reconciliation or are we seeking to one-up the other group? Make peace break down the wall of hostility like Jesus did. This passage is telling us once again that horizontal reconciliation must follow from vertical reconciliation. They go hand in hand. I have to appreciate what Jesus did for me in order for me to do that. There's no way you could be an effective peacemaker if you're not appreciating every day that you were at war, but he declared peace through Jesus. This is essential. Bullet point three, Christ-like peacemaking involves our heart. Christ-like peacemaking involves our heart. Now think about this. Religion would tell you, go and peacemake because that's what you're supposed to. Give in the offering because that's what you're supposed to. Love your enemy because that's what you're supposed to. But often, and especially in the book of Matthew, we see the involvement of the heart consistently. My emotionality in peacemaking must be present. I can't just seek to label someone as forgiven. I've fallen victim to that consistently. So, like, yeah, I'm making peace with my brother here by saying, yeah, I forgive them of what they did. And I apply a label in my head and says, yeah, I forgive you. And I've told them, yeah, you're forgiven. But there might be some emotionality, some resentment, some issues that are in their heart. We, to be Christ-like peacemakers, must involve our heart. And this is challenging. This is hard. This is not within our capabilities. But it is within the Holy Spirit-empowered capabilities. We must seek to involve our hearts. Now, to see this biblically, why it is that peacemaking must involve the heart in order for it to be Christ-like peacemaking, first easy way is to think about the fact that the peacemaker was sent because of love. John 3.16. He was sent because of love. But more importantly, we're going to look at a passage that's very similar to Ephesians 2, where Paul once again is trying to make a case about be reconciled, you're no longer to be divided. Colossians 3, we're going to Colossians 3, it'll be on the screen, verses 12 through 15. Now what I want you to notice is you are going to see in this passage, before we read it, you will see some of the points we've hit before. The fact that my reconciliation with others follows from vertical reconciliation. You're going to see that here, but the difference that you're going to see here is the heart. 
You're going to see the emotionality of the peacemaking. You're going to see how it must be genuine. It must be a new type of person that's involved in this peacemaking. Verse 12, it says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Uh, There it is. The part that reminds you, appreciation of the vertical reconciliation gives me horizontal reconciliation. But notice again in verse 12 that heart involvement. Look verse 14 in the eye. It says, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your, where? Hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Peacemaking is a hard issue, and it requires much more than I am able to do. I must seek the empowerment of God. Because we've received the Holy Spirit, we can be that type of peacemaker. We can be that type of loving person that's compassionate, that's kind, that's, that, that's patient with one another, that forgives because we've been forgiven. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Notice, even shorter verse, one verse, and it tells you both things. Appreciate and involve your heart. Because God saved you not out of religious duty. God saved you out of love. God saved you out of love. So if we are to reconcile and make peace, we must do it from the heart. Jesus broke religion's back. We don't do things out of duty. Rather, Paul always tells us, you should be having these emotions. When he speaks to the givers in 2 Corinthians, when he's talking to them, he tells them, just make sure it's coming out of the heart. You're supposed to give, but you're supposed to give cheerfully. You're supposed to want to give. You're not supposed to give. You're supposed to want to give. So we're supposed to want to make peace, not just make peace. That's a subtle but important difference. Religion says you're supposed to make peace. Christ, spirit life tells us we are supposed to want to make peace because he made peace with me. That's why I seek to make peace. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as, as God in Christ forgave you. Stir up your affections by reminding yourself of the vertical reconciliation. Extend the emotionality of the appreciation of the vertical reconciliation into horizontal reconciliation. Seek to do what you don't want to do. Seek to call that person you haven't called. Seek to forgive that person you just can't forgive. Seek to set aside the difference, even if, even if you disagree with things, but that you would love each other and be reconciled. That peace would always be the first option. Romans 12, 8, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Dodgers, angels, <laughs> black, white. Just extend the list. With all. Live peaceably with all. I must seek this because my heart should seek it in appreciation of what Jesus has done for me. So, 
as the band comes up, I'm going to start inviting the band to start coming up. I want you to take a moment where you are and think about it. Heck, in my family, there's a lot of need of reconciliation. God knows I pray for it all the time and that I've asked Grow Group people here uh, to pray for it as well. Think about the areas, or rather the people, the people in your life with whom you can do not society's version of reconciliation, not society's version of peace, but Christ-like peacemaking that would come from appreciation of his peace that he's made between you and God and that would flow as an emotional response to that. Stir up your heart. Think about where it is. This is important. In the very same chapter where Jesus told us, blessed are the peacemakers, in chapter 5 of Matthew, he tells us this in verse 22. He says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift as we're about to give, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. This is great because it shows us You can be religious and heartless at the same time. You can come and give to the altar, but still need reconciliation. Jesus ain't after religion. Jesus wants your heart. He wants you to have Christ-like peacemaking that wants to love. And here's the thing. Even if that person doesn't deserve peace, neither did we. Neither did we. So stir up your heart right now. And if you find that there are people with whom you can pursue this Christ-like peace to the best of your ability and on your end, whether they allow it or not, if that's there, let's close our eyes now and pray and let's pray over that scenario. Let's pray over that relationship. Let's pray over that lack of peace. Father, we come before you humbly appreciative of the love that you had for us of the peace that you have the the peacemaker that you sent to establish peace between you and us christ the ultimate peacemaker may we savor that every single day may we want to be like you because we've tasted the love that came from your peacemaking May we not do duty-led peacemaking. May we respond from the heart. May we not be religious. May we be Christ-like in our hearts. May we seek that peace. As the ushers come forth and we prepare our tithes and offerings, we remember that this passage didn't say, don't give the gift. It said, be reconciled and give the gift. In the same way, just like in 2 Corinthians, we don't give because we have to. We give because we want to. Because that's the natural Holy Spirit-led outpouring of the heart 
appreciative of the generosity that you've bestowed upon us lavishly. So we pray over the offerings and the tithes. May they be an exercise of worship and nothing more. And may you multiply them to bless the mission, to bless the city of Redlands. Not to bless financially the mission, but to bless the mission so that it can bless the city of Redlands. People may come to peace in you. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.